Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So last Sunday, guys, Cordelia and I were watching TV. And I introduced her to the classic Christmas show, A Charlie Brown Christmas. Anybody remember A Charlie Brown Christmas? There we go. Now, needless to say, my beautiful nine-year-old granddaughter lost interest pretty fast. Yeah, I know. I, I was saying that she's like, really? Because she calls it old people shows, right? These, what are you watching? Because you got to know, they're moving fast. The kids are moving fast these days. Charlie Brown was about my speed. Um, some of you in this room saw it on color for the first time. So that's, uh, anyway, but, (laughs) but if you've ever seen it, many of us can relate to Charlie Brown. You go, what do you mean? Well, really the, the 30 minute premise is he's trying to find the joy of Christmas. And he's going around and he's trying to find the real meaning of Christmas. And if you even recall, um, Snoopy was trying to win the greatest light contest. And he's, and, and he's, oh, good grief, good grief. And as I watched that, and of course my granddaughter lost interest. She was looking at something else. I thought about Charlie Brown. Go, what do you mean? Well, for most of the show, he's walking in very dark days. As a matter of fact, even you remember, and I don't know if this is politi- politically correct in our days, but there's a, one, a character named Pigpen who's always dirty. Anybody remember Pigpen? Yep. He even knew the meaning of Christmas or thought he knew the meaning of Christmas. But it wasn't until the very end that Charlie Brown saw the light of Christmas. Now, I shared this with you this morning because I believe it illustrates what we're about to learn this morning the light of Christmas. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things to do at Christmas is to go around and look at Christmas lights. Oh, there's nothing like going and getting a nice hot cup of coffee um, and uh, hot chocolate, whatever it might be, and drive around. But it seems like this year, I don't know if you've done that, church, but it seems like this year, a lot of people went out of their way to make their houses light up. It's spectacular. And one street, man, I saw almost every house light up with Christmas lights. And what I love most about this time of year is it it shines, guys, the lights shine in, in, in the darkness. And I don't know if you know this, but as a matter of fact, did you know that December 21st is known as the winter solstice? You go, what does that mean? It is the, it is the shortest daylight of the year. Meaning, just a few days ago, we had the longest darkness in a 24-hour period, the 21st. Now, what I love about the 22nd is that it gets one day, one minute lighter each and every day. And so I can't wait till June when it's the longest light of the year. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the first Christmas. Way back in Luke chapter 2. See, lights are very important announcement in the birth of Christ. And I want you to think about it. The angels did their dazzling light show in the sky, and the shepherds went to Bethlehem as a result. The wise men 
if you remember, followed the star which brought them to Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but light is a major theme throughout the scriptures. Light. Let us consider the story that shows how important light is. You go, what story? Well, at first glance, it's not a Christmas story. It's not about mangers. It's not about animals. It's not about a feeding trough. It's not even about baby Jesus. But it is a Christmas message. How so? Well, this is a story about a woman who was walking in darkness. This is about a woman who... Some men decided to shine the light, but not the light of Jesus, but the light of the law on her. And what they wanted to do is expose her in front of the townspeople as well as Jesus. Their hearts, well, it wasn't to bring light, it was to bring death. And that's why I want to pick up our story in John chapter 8, verse 1. Go with me there. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him. He sat down and he taught them. Your attention, please. Notice what Jesus did. Jesus is teaching his people. You could say right now, Jesus is holding church. And can I tell you this about church? Church is not about the building. It's not about the sound booth. It's not about the chairs. Church is you. You're the church. You're the ones who represent Christ each and every day. But what we do in here is we get equipped to go out there. We get equipped in God's word, and so we should come to church much like they did very early in John chapter 8, and what? And have expectant hearts to learn. To learn. Calvary Chapel Lubbock is a very academic setting so you can grow in the word of God as you go out and minister to people. So Jesus, he's at church. Can you imagine in the middle of his sermon, suddenly there's an uproar. So there's my Lord, he's preaching, and all of a sudden there's an uproar. You go, Ben, what was the uproar? Well, look at verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees burst in. They brought him a woman caught in adultery, and they set her in the midst. Can you imagine? Right now, those brown doors open up. The religious people come in here. They bring a girl, probably mostly undressed. I want to keep this PG-13. They bring her, and they throw her right in the middle of Jesus. Now, you know the law. The law said that if you catch anyone in adultery, they needed to be stoned to death. That was the law. But I find interesting is they didn't bring the men, did they? Just the woman. It was a setup. But let's see how Jesus reacts. Now, we don't know much about this woman, but we can relate to her. I don't know if you know this, but anytime in my discipleship classes, anytime in my uh, college classes, here's what I ask. I ask, what does, the, what does the text say about Jesus? What does the text say about people? Well, we can find ourselves pretty much like this lady. You go, how so? Well, first of all, right now, she's living in darkness. Because you guys know the act of adultery. 
You know it wasn't, she wasn't, um, you know, chasing butterflies and running after rainbows. And, and she was. But I want to show you something because I know we can relate. She's living in darkness. We've all been there. Her sin is just like our sin. You got to catch that. They mention hers specifically. Take a look again. They brought a woman caught in adultery. So they come in and they're like, look what we found, Jesus. Here's a woman. She was in the middle of adultery. And they throw her right there. Well, that jumped out of the text to me. And you go, how so, Pastor? We can, let's chat for just a moment. Why? Because first and foremost, what we need to understand is when it comes to sin, they're not different. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. The Greek word for sin is harmatia, and it means to miss the mark. You're missing the mark completely. But what people tend to do, come on, church, what people tend to do is put a greater sin on different sins. They didn't come in and go, oh, she was sinning. What do you think we should do, Jesus? They came and said, she's an adulterer. What are you going to do, Jesus? And I'm thinking, wow, that's what we do. That's what we do. And you and I, we do come down hard on things like adultery, but yet excuse things like breaking the speed limit. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) I'm out. Adultery and lies and breaking it, they're not the same thing. Oh, but if you break the law, isn't that sin? But we want to over it. Oh, it's a white lie. Anybody ever tell a white lie? Oh, well. Darling, how do I look in this dress? Baby, you look beautiful. You know, I mean, we just... So sin is sin. And the point I want to bring out is that I don't want us to ever categorize sin and think ours is less than someone else's. Once we do that, then we elevate ourselves to a place where our hearts become hardened. Sin is sin. You're like, okay. Notice, notice they say to him in verse 4, Teacher, this, and here's how I think they would say, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. In the, and notice, in the very act, your attention, please. How do you catch someone in adultery unless you're watching them? You know, we got a bunch of peeping Toms here. Oh, there it is. No, it was a setup. They probably paid the dude. There you go. And, and, the, and, and in the very act. Now notice. Now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something to which accuse him. Notice what Jesus says. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Everybody goes, what did he write? What did he write? You ready? I don't know. Some people say he wrote the Ten Commandments. You know, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. Some people's, I I don't know. That's one of the questions You need to ask Jesus when you get there. What did you write down? 
That was amazing. Why? Because there, there, was, there, there, was, there was huge. Now, 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 what would you expect our Jesus to do in this situation? They bring her in, burst open, all of you turn, here comes somebody, they bring her straight up to Pastor Jesus, if you will, and now here is, here's their dialogue. Notice what Jesus says about this. So I want you to see this, guys. Look at verse 7. So when they continued asking him, I, I want you to get the picture. In the original Greek, it means they wouldn't stop. They kept on. They kept on. You ever have a child who keeps on? Mom, don't look at your husband. Mom, 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 mom. That's that, that's that thing. And he's writing on the ground, and they're like, what do you think, Jesus? Yo, Jay. Jesus, hey, what do you think? Jesus, she's right here. Can you imagine the humiliation of this poor woman? She's standing there, and they keep asking him. And he raised himself up, and he said, He who is is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I don't know about you, but right here, my heart goes out to Jesus. Why? Because what, what did we expect? Well, if that's what Moses said, then kill her. Well, you know, let me reprimand. I mean, I don't know what we expected Jesus to say. But he looks at the people and he says, hey, any of you, if you've never sinned, have at it. Have at it. You throw the first stone. And I want you to note that he didn't categorize sin nor give it importance, nor does, listen, you ready? This is so good. Nor does he expose or embarrass them. Listen, some of us in this room can theologically win an argument and lose the very person we're trying to win. Now, I want you to say something. Right now, in your minds, you're picturing this poor, this poor young woman, um, barely dressed, sitting in, humiliated, caught in the very act, just humiliated. But Jesus also loves the Pharisee and the scribe because he didn't humiliate them either. He didn't sit there and go, well, let me tell you guys, you know what? I know what you're doing. Let me prove to you I'm God. You set this all up. He said... He didn't do that, did he? Because his heart is to win you to his kingdom. His heart loves you so much that his heart says, okay, I know the facts. I know that you're a sinner. I know that you're a mess up. I get that, but I love you. And, and, and I mean, it, it, and just think about this, right? He doesn't expose them or embarrass them. What does he do? Verse 9. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Doesn't that jump out at you for a second? Why? Because the youngins there thought, okay, oh, you know. And the old ones who had lived a long while, the old ones who have been around the block kind of went, and they started dropping the rock. May we never be so self-righteous in our lives that we throw the rock. No, 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 you didn't hear me. May we never be so self-righteous that we go, hey, I'm good. 
because we do that verbally. You see, here's what we need to do. You ready? We need to love people back to life. Love people. They're just like this girl. They're broken. They're messed up. And Jesus is going to love her back to a place of restoration. You go, Ben, but, but I can't condone that sin. Nobody's telling you to condone the sin, but lovingly. You know what that means? That means you've got to walk with somebody. That means you've got to hold somebody. That means it's going to take time. That means you've got to really just, okay, okay. Sometimes we think words are enough. Let me tell you what I think. Go do it. Rules without a relationship always equals rebellion. Rules without a relationship. So you go, let me tell you what I do. Let me tell you, this is what you need to do. You got to have a relationship so people go, okay, okay. And then Jesus, guys, Jesus was left alone with a woman standing in the midst. Now, I know his disciples are still there because John's writing this. So the disciples are there, but he's looking at the accusers, right? And when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Wow, lots to unpack here. How so? Well, this is an amazing verse. Did you catch what God in the flesh just said? He looked up and he said, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? It reminds me of the story and the teaching that Jesus told us when it comes to people. What did he say? He says, first remove the plank from your eye before you address the speck in your brother's eye. So it's okay for us to walk alongside and go, hey, Pete, you got a speck in your eye, bro. And Pete's going to respect that as long as I take the plank out of my eye. Well, how do you know? Because if I have a plank in my eye and I'm going to address Pete right here, I'm going to hit him over the head with my plank first. I got the plank and I'm like, hey, Pete, watch. Boom. He's like, ow. And then Pete's going to go, hey, how do, you, how do you know there's a speck in my eye? Because you can't see. Because you got, Do you understand how we need to do? We need to look deep inside ourselves first and then walk alongside our brothers. Walk alongside our sisters, lovingly praying for them, asking that God would do a great work in their hearts. This is what he's saying to us, guys. And then he says, he says hey, hey, where are your accusers? Where are the scribes? Where are the Pharisees? Where's the religious people? I don't know if she was crying at this point. I don't know what she was doing. But she says, with everything she could, she says, she says, no one, Lord. Who has condemned you? No one, Lord. They're not here. They're gone. And Jesus Jesus asked her, has no one stayed around to condemn you? And she's like, no, Lord. But he says something very interesting, and I want you to catch that. Look at verse 11. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, now here's his command, right? Quote, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You've got to catch that. Because if you need hope today, you've got to catch this. How so? Because 
Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came that through it, through him, you might be saved. Saved. Can I tell you what saved means? God wants you today to walk in, in salvation, to know that when you take your last breath on earth, you will be with him for eternity, that he has a place for you, and that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's his heart. Now, the world, the devil, our flesh, condemns us. Well, you didn't do right. You didn't do this. You're this. You're that. You've got a bad attitude. No one knows the deep, the evil thoughts you have in your heart. And God goes, no, I don't condemn you. But he says something very interesting that should jump out of the text to you. He says this, neither do I condemn you. And he says, go and sin no more. Now, question church, is that possible for us? You're like, no, man, I try. Okay, all right, Paul, we're not going to sin anymore. As soon as we get out the door, we might sin. So what does Jesus mean? He wants us to repent of that particular sin. Just don't do that no more. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Now, when it comes to repentance, what does it mean? It means that you and I are to change directions, okay? We're walking in one direction, and he says, repent. We have to turn. Now, don't do a 360, okay? Okay? Let's see if I can get the camera all messed up. Don't do this and keep walking. It's a 180, We stop here. Oh, God doesn't want me to go in this direction. I need to go in this direction. And we go back. Everybody know what repentance is, right? Well, what's the first thing you and I need to repent of? Unbelief. Unbelief. Because we behave what we believe. And if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, gives you eternal life, wants to let the Holy Spirit just come inside you and guide you and walk with you and give you peace, hope, and joy, guess how you're going to behave? A lot different than when you used to. Hey, I don't know what her name is. Hey, do you want to have sex with a guy again? Not in, no, no, I'm going to repent. I'm going to repent because I believe that it's, it's between a man and a woman in marriage. You, you see the repent, but it's got to start with unbelief first. Sometimes preachers will say, oh, you got you to repent. And you think, man, I've got a thousand sins. Which one do I do first? Well, repent from unbelief. And then through progressive sanctification, guess what God does? He begins to show you those things you need to turn from. Oh, oh, yeah, that's not good. And then you have sins in your life where you go, I'm not sure this is a sin. And then God reveals it, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't realize this. That's a trespass. I was stepping over. I was like, oh, I didn't realize. Sorry, God, please forgive me. And then, and so we got to repent. So Jesus says, hey, go your way. Sin no more. Don't make it a habit. Don't make it a habit. So what does that look like in your life? Something that we're doing habitual that God's going to knock on your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit and say, hey, don't do that no more. Don't do that no more. I like the way that the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, but walk according to the, but who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You guys see that? That would be a great amen when, he said, when we say, there is now therefore no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on, come on, church. Amen. 
if you're in Christ today, there's no one condemning you. But he also says to those who do not walk according to the flesh. So what's he saying? You and I are called to walk according to the Spirit. According to the Spirit. But then Jesus does something very interesting back in John. He gives us the reason why he doesn't condemn her. Why? Verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is it right here. If you're an underliner, if you've got a, if you've got a highlighter, this is the verse. Why? In the story, in the middle of church, here comes a girl. Poor thing. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't. He, he, he just lovingly embraces her, and he tells her, neither do I condemn you. Who's the only one that could condemn her? Our, our Jesus. He was perfect. Who was the only one that could throw a stone at her? Our Jesus. Yeah, but he doesn't. Why? Why does he not condemn her? Because he said, listen, he says, I am the light of the world, and y'all who follow me, will not walk in darkness. But you have the light of life. You know what that means? The light as of a new world, a newly awakened spiritual uh, eternal life. Here's what I've got to ask you this beautiful Christmas Eve morning. Have you been born again from above? You see, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus, right? And he says, Yo, Nick, right? Nick comes at night, Nick at night. That's where we got that from. But nonetheless, he comes, Nicodemus comes, and you know the story. He says, you need to be born again. And Nick's, Nick's confused. He's like, what do you mean born again? Like, like, I can't go back in my mom's womb, dude, seriously. You know, no, 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 you're not getting it. He says, born from above. You see, your salvation is not a result of a brilliant, most wonderful, elegant preacher you've ever heard. Nobody said amen. Okay. Your salvation is a result of God's Holy Spirit as he begins to convict you. And you're going, oh, I'm not sure what I need. It's, you're born from above. And what happens is that your, your unregenerate heart regenerates into the power, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And now you're born again. And you don't have to understand it all. You're like, I'm not sure what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know. It's okay. Just go, by faith, I trust you, Lord. I believe in you, and I'm going to walk in you. Does that mean you'll stumble? Yeah, yeah. But here's what I love. Here's what I love, right? If any of you were ever a baby, or any of you ever had a baby, do you remember? Do you remember when your kids there were little? Do you remember? They're getting so big, but do you remember when they were little? Do you remember what you did when they were beginning to walk? You remember when Samantha was beginning to walk? Oh, yeah, you remember. And do you remember when she took a few steps and fell down and you got all upset and you told her, you're never going to walk again. I can't believe you did that. And you, she goes, Ben, you're silly. Of course I'm being silly. That's not what she did. We don't do that. What do we go? Oh, my gosh, she walked two steps. Get up again. And then we learn to walk, don't we? And when we learn to walk, we learn to run. And then we learn. And, and, and now... I don't think Sarah gets up and goes, hey, Sam, you need to walk. She just does. The point is, guys, is that we, we're the same way spiritually. You get up and you, 
you take a few steps and you fall down and you go, God, say, it was 17 years old when I got saved and I didn't realize the gospel. I didn't understand that I was still going to fall. And three weeks into my walk with Christ, I said, I can't do this, God. I, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. I can't, I can't serve you. I, can't, I told God I can't be a Christian because I keep messing up. I'm a kid. And I thank God that he didn't just go, okay. Well, we gave it a shot, dude. <laughs> Good luck with your... He didn't do that. He said, no, 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 you don't understand the gospel. You're going to stumble. Get up. And then he tells me, hey, you took a few steps. I'm proud of you. Yeah, but Lord, I, 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 I fell. But what about... Listen, ready? What about when our children made a mess in their diaper? What about when they made a mess? And I'm not talking, you know, I'm talking a mess. Like there's mess and then there's a mess. Like there's a mess where you go, oh, I got this and a little wipes will be do. And then there's the mess where you call your husband, you got to do this, man, because I'm just like, mm-mm. And he comes in with the gas mask and the yellow suit and everything's like, oh my God! You know, I mean, that's a mess. You're going, why do you, why do you, I don't know, I'm silly that way. But not one of us ever spanked our kids because they made a mess in their diaper. And you're going to make a mess. That's, that's the point. That's what, he, that, that's what he's saying, guys. He's saying, if you follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness. You're going to have the light of life. But I don't condemn you because I know you're going to mess up from time to time. But I'm asking you to repent. I'm asking you just to keep moving forward. And to encourage you, this is hope. As a matter of fact, John, who's writing this, in 1 John repeats this message to, in the letter he wrote. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, I told you to turn there. Uh, just a great verse to highlight. Look at this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him, speaking of Jesus, and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He's repeating that. He says, that's what I heard. Hey, do you want, do you want a, just a, a real encouraging message that you can, you can use each and every day? Just take what Jesus said and repeat it. That's all John said. John goes, hey, I heard him. I was with him. You know what the message was? He's the light of the world. What else? That's all you need to know. He's the light. And, and he, oh, oh, wait, wait. And, and, and all those who put their trust, or, or he said he's the light, and in him is no darkness at all. Your attention, please. I draw your attention for just a moment to the God of the universe who does not think like a man, who does not think like you and I. In him are no evil thoughts. He's not looking at your life, waiting to, waiting to spank you. He's not there. You know, we, we sort of categorize him like, oh, okay, Lord, if I step out of line, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to get it, Lord, I'm going to get it. Oh, we don't, God does, look, look, look what it says. It says, God is light and in him is no darkness, no evil, no mess up. He loves you so much. Now, he might correct you. He might correct you because he loves you. I've had my fair share of spanking. My kids, although my wife said I don't, I know I did. Although my wife said, nope, she, you, know, you never did. 
And I think I've spanked Cordelia once, probably not, but maybe. But do we not spank them because we love them? Not to hurt them. We spank them because we don't run out in the don't don't run out in the street. I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. You're gonna get hurt. And so God disciplines those he loves. And so if you get spanked by God, it may hurt, but you could cry. You go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, our Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. In fact, this is the very reason we celebrate today. Celebrate today, tomorrow, whatever you guys do. He is the reason for the season. Can I be honest with you guys in church? Can I? Okay, good. Thanks. Thanks, Ben. I've preached to you four messages of focusing on Christ. <laughs> and finding my joy in Jesus. I've preached and preached and preached and preached. And, and honestly, I struggled with that this season. And last night I went to bed, no, no doubt, went to bed, tired as all get out. And my mind started going, did we get enough presents for the kids? Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to get up early. I'm going to have to go to the store. We didn't get enough presents. We didn't get enough presents. And I'm tossing it. And the Lord's like, really? You just preached three messages about, you know, whatever. So I don't blame you if you're struggling with this, because I did. The enemy's good at stealing us, stealing the joy. And even tonight, you're going to see, or tomorrow, presents or no presents, let me give you an example. My beautiful granddaughter came to me about a month and a half ago and said, Grandpa, my iPad is dead. Now, you grandpas, you know what that means, right? What does that mean? You're going to take care of it, right? So I said, I'll fix it, Hita. I'll fix it. And so I, it, was a bad, it was old. It was my old iPad I gave her. So Grandpa gets on. Walmart, and he finds her a newer iPad. And she's so excited. That could be my Christmas gift, Grandpa. Oh, yeah. Comes in. Grandpa pays for it. She has her Christmas gift. Grandpa, I need, a, I need an iPad cover. I don't, I'm so scared to break it. So what does Grandpa do? He gets on Amazon, gets an iPad cover. If I'm ever broke, it's because of those kids. I'm just telling you right now. Can I get an Amen. So my, my precious little daughter, granddaughter says, Grandpa, you've been so good. I've got my iPad. I've got this. I've got this. I've got, I don't need anything for Christmas, Grandpa. And y'all go, oh, until she's sitting over here and she goes, did you get me anything for Christmas? <laughs> and so I like to tease her. I say, hey, well, you know, we, I got you that iPad in that case. She goes, okay. But, see, but actually, Grandpa, did you, do I have anything under the tree? And, and that's how I felt. Oh, it's Jesus. Don't let him. It's all about the season. It's all about this. It's all about that. And, and I did better. Don't get me wrong. But I found myself worrying over, well, you guys remember Martha? You know, Mary's sitting at the feet enjoying Christmas. And Martha's worried about presents in the middle of the night. It's in John chapter 12, verse 46. You can jot this down. I don't have it on the screen. But Jesus says, 
I have come as the light to shine in this dark world so that all who puts their trust in me will no longer wander in darkness. You guys see that? 1246, I have come. Now, I'm using a different translation because I love the way this speaks to me. Jesus tells us this morning, I have come as the light to shine in a dark world. So all who put their trust in me will no longer wander in darkness. You go, amen. But I want you to see, he's not talking about a physical darkness, but he's talking about a spiritual darkness. You go, Ben, what does that mean? Every one of us will have dark days, including Charlie Brown. And like the woman at the well, like the woman... Many are live are living in a personal darkness. But Christmas is all about God Jesus being the light of the world and us being reflectors of that light. So I want to take a moment, just a few moments guys, to talk about people who have dark days dark days. Let's shine the light of Christmas and give hope to those who are hurting, to those who are lonely, to those who are living in darkness. And see, maybe you're here today and inside, deep inside your heart, you're just over Christmas. You're like, I'm, I'm ready for it to be done. Let's move on. Let's get ready for 2024. I'm over this because there is some darkness in our hearts. And, and, and again, I, I just want to speak I want to speak life into that and give you hope. Maybe you're here today and you're hurting. We pray for all those that are hurting because they've lost a family member this year. They've lost a mother. They've lost a father. They've lost a sibling. They've lost children. And this Christmas, you know, I I don't know about you. I don't know if you know this, but yesterday I got an alert on my phone that one of the most popular uh, groups, the Dixie Chicks, one of their founding members was in a car accident yesterday and died on a head-on collision in El Paso, and I was thinking, oh no, two days before Christmas? Wow! So, with the remainder of our time, guys, I want to look at four types of dark days and how Christmas is the response to that through the life of Jesus. Okay? So, if you're taking note, you can jot this down. We're going to look at those who have dark days of disappointment. Dark days of disappointment. Number two, very quickly, we're going to look at the dark days of distress. Number three, the dark days of doubt. And then for some of us, the dark days of depression. Depression. So we're going to talk about the dark days of disappointment. And I promise I won't keep you here till next Christmas. We'll move pretty quick. But I'm wondering if some of us in this room can relate to at least one of these. Okay, so let's talk about the dark days of disappointment disappointment. It's in the book of Job, Job chapter 30, verse 26. You guys know the story. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go over this, but Job writes this. He says, I hoped for happiness and light, but trouble and darkness came instead. I hoped, this is Job, Job chapter 30, verse 26. And my question to you is, have you ever felt that way? You hoped for one thing, but disappointment and trouble came instead. Look at all the disappointing news that we've heard in our world lately. Very important. You know which one? 
the dark days of, of disappointment in, in the political world. In the political world. I don't know about you, Joe Mabry, but nothing seems to, to shock me anymore every day. It, it, it used to be like, whoa, now we're like, okay. Because we seem to have those. And then, and then I think even nowadays, guys, I, I read something that was really, really sad. It's, it, it was the woke Christmas, the woke Christmas, and how it's, it, they're trying to change everything with the woke. I mean, it's just like, no. I find it interesting in our world, in the dark days of disappointment, how where, where there's a big campaign to end racism, and yet that's all we seem to be doing is being racist. In, in all, all colors of skin. And yet my Jesus doesn't see color of skin. He sees souls that need to be saved. The fact is, church, life doesn't always work out as planned. Situations don't always work themselves out. As a matter of fact, some of you will open a present tonight or tomorrow and it won't be what you've been hinting around for. Okay? Some of you, in, let, me just, let me just help you right here. Some of you are in for some big disappointments. <laughs> okay? What, what did you want? Um, I wanted a gym bag, and I wanted a racquetball racket, and I wanted racquetballs, I'll tell you what I want. And then you open, and it's a tie. <laughs> You're like... You're looking in the tide. Maybe it's there. Maybe you thought of the perfect Christmas. This is going to be the perfect Christmas. We're going to do this. We're going to... See, for me, I had Friday all planned out. I'd got my study done early. Yes. I'm going to, Friday, I'm going to finish up some last-minute Christmas shopping. I am, I am going to, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here's what we do. We're going to go hear my granddaughter sing and play the bass. This is amazing. And then I'm going to take my wife. She's off, too. So I'm going to take my wife out to breakfast, and we're just going to do something. We're just going to hang out together. This is going to be epic. Only to find out that my mother-in-law, bless her heart, had an episode and ended up in the hospital. And that afternoon, I'm driving to New Mexico to take my wife, thinking I'm going to spend Christmas alone. Well, not alone. I've got other family, but not without my wife. And I'm thinking, there's, there are those dark days of disappointment. But praise God, she was fine, and my wife came back, and she's here, so God is good. But you understand the disappointment. You have things planned in your head, and it doesn't always go that way. That's a great place for a naming. Come on, somebody. Right? You have things planned in your head. This is how it's going to go down. And it never goes that way. I, I mean, think of Mary. I mean, I bet she experienced disappointment, right? The very first Christmas. Right? She told Mary, guess what? What? You're going to be the mother of the Messiah. You're going to be the mother of the Son of God. And she ends up in a stable. She was like, are you kidding me? You would have been very disappointed, right? <clears throat> and I think that's funny, Jesse, because that's where we got the song Silent Night. You said, what do you mean? Joseph blew it, didn't make reservations. Mary didn't have a place. To, she's nine months pregnant. 
And so Mary gives Joseph the silent treatment. That's where we got silent night, just so you know. <laughs> it's just a joke. Calm down. It's just a joke. But if any of you in here were ever nine months pregnant, the last thing you want to do is be on a donkey headed, right? And looking at your husband like, you waited to the last minute to get us here. I can't believe this. You better have gotten reservations at the Holy Day Inn. I bet Mary was disappointed when she was having God in the flesh in the middle of a feeding trough. Here's the point, guys. Life is disappointing at times, and we go through dark days of disappointment. But what about dark days of distress, number two? This is when we feel overwhelmed, stretched out, stressed out to the max. You have too much to do, not enough time or energy, and more bills than money. You're distressed. You're stressed. And I think Mary felt stress at this first Christmas. Why? Well, again, she was nine months pregnant. She was away from family. Did anybody think about that? She had to ride on a donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, nine months pregnant, her first baby by herself alone in the stable. I mean, you talk about stressed out. You talk about worried, anxiety. Poor Mary. Poor Mary. I think of the quote, this just happened yesterday. Uh, Nathan and I were talking, and I don't know what this means. Maybe you guys can give me some counsel after service, but... Um, she was talking about my daughter, Talia, who on several occasions said she loved her husband so much she'd follow him anywhere. She'd follow, and I'm like, cool, that's awesome. And she goes, I'm not sure I'd follow you anywhere, everywhere, off a cliff like that. And I'm like, wait, what does that mean? So Mary is having to trust Joseph on their way to Bethlehem. The psalmist writes in Psalm 22, verse 2, jot this down. He says, I cried out desperately for help, but it still does not come. And I think there's a lot of us in this room that ever felt that way. You go, what do you mean? You, you pray and you cry and you pray and you cry, and you, for some reason you feel like God doesn't answer. What about number three, church, the dark days of doubt? John 12, 35 he says, he who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. That's the King James Version, John twelve thirty five. In other words, he's drifting. He doesn't know where he's going. He has no objectives. It's the dark, dark days of doubt. And my question to you, church, is have you ever felt this way? Have you ever lost your way and, and, and don't know what to do? When you look at your past, you get disappointments. When you look at your presence, you get stressed. And when you look at the future, you get doubtful. You get worried. And there are plenty of reasons why you might have doubt and uncertainty about the future. You might think the economy, uh, my job, all the things that you could in there. And so, and so you're living in the dark days of doubt. And we all go through them. What's my future going to be like? Can you imagine the girl who was caught in the midst of adultery, could you imagine for one second what she felt? What is going to, you know what, her, 
her future looked like a stoning. You understand that? Death. The fact that they brought her to Jesus was a beautiful miracle. But what about number four? The dark days of depression. It's at this point you've got to ask yourself, you go, what's the use? You feel like giving up. In World War II, Winston Churchill once said, quote, the light has gone out in Europe. And I know some of us may feel that way this morning. The light has gone out in your life. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 says, the thought of my pain is bitter poison. I think of it constantly. My spirit is depressed. Some of you this morning may have faced some major crises in this past year. You don't feel happy at all during the holiday season. In fact, everyone else's happiness only intensifies your pain and your aloneness. I wonder, and you wonder at times, does anybody really care? You go, Ben, why would you share those four with us? Here's why. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, church, listen to me. He says, you don't have to walk walk in the dark days of disappointment anymore. You don't have to walk in the dark days of distress. You don't have to walk in the dark days of doubt. And definitely not the dark days of depression. That's what Christmas is all about, guys. And as we close our study this morning, as we close our final Christmas message, it's a message of hope. It's a message of peace. It's a message of love. Why? Because the true meaning of Christmas is not about bows. It's not about wrapping paper. It's not about family, although family is amazing. It's not about trees or tinsel or lights. The true meaning of Christmas, whether it's December 24th or July 15th, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go into 2024 without him. I don't want to. You go, Ben, I'm young. Think, ah, we got, let's go. Let's take it on. I No. Jesus, you need to go before me or I don't want to go. I don't want to run, run ahead of you and go, hey, I'm over here, Lord. Let's do this. I just want to walk with him daily. I want to walk with him daily. Hey, let me let you on something you might not know. After today, you have 365 days until it comes again. Isn't that weird? We keep doing this and we keep getting sidetracked. Let's remember the reason for the season. You go, well, Ben, what's the deal? Well, we know that he's hope. He's hope. And maybe this morning, God brought you here for that very reason. You go, what do you mean? To celebrate Christmas in a whole new way. To think about it. See, the hope comes in the gospel, doesn't it? The true gospel. I'm so excited. 
You go, why? Because in a few hours, we get to open up presents, and we get to enjoy family, and we get to just, we get to have great fellowship. But the one true gift, guys, is the gift of eternal life and peace on earth. And that's what Jesus came to tell us. He's the light, and you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. You have to make that choice. You have to make that choice. Remember John 8, 12, guys. Put that on your ornaments. Do whatever you need to do. Jesus spoke to it again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Hey, what we're going to do now is I'm going to give an invitation just to make sure that anyone here is going to walk in the light of life. But if we can get ready to bring the kids in, we will definitely do that. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, God, that you are in control of all things and you're the light of the world. But Lord, can I be honest with you? There might be somebody here who's walking in the dark days of depression and doubt and distress and disappointments. And now you're standing with your arms right open saying, I just want to come in and set you free. Father, there might be Christians here who are walking, Christians who are walking in the dark days of depression. I pray that you shine the light on them today. Hey, with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor Ben, I'm not sure. I'm not sure this morning that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure I have a relationship. Like, like you were saying some things. You were saying some things, and uh, man, I'm not, I am not 100% sure that I'm saved, but I want to be. As a matter of fact, Pastor Ben, I, I'm in those dark days of, of depression and doubt right now. What do I have to do to find the peace and hope that you talk about? I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. The first thing I want you to do this amazing morning is, is search deep in your heart. Ask the Lord, Lord, am I right with you? Am I right with you? Are we, are we, are we good, God? I know I've given my life to you, but, but Lord, maybe I'm feeling just, just so far from you, Lord. Maybe, maybe I've allowed the world to come in just a little bit more than I thought. Man, I want to I pray for you. But first and foremost, if you've never given your heart to Jesus or you are backslidden, like you've walked away from him, but you're here today, and you want to be reconciled to him, would you do me a favor? Nobody's going to be watching you. Everybody's eyes are closed. But ask yourself, am I saved? Am I saved? And if you have any doubt, then I want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again the way Jesus says. Would you do that for me right now? Don't worry about what people think. This is between you. What a great day to be saved on Christmas Eve 2023. God bless you, my brother, to my right. Amen. Anyone else? You just, need to, you just got to lift up your hand so I can see you. I already have my brother over here to my right. Anyone else? I just want to give you an opportunity. You might be watching online and you're raising your hand and I can't see you. You might be listening on the radio or podcast. I can't see you, but just lift up your hand. I got one brother who pray, amen. Anyone else, just real quick. But I'm also going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity because maybe you are a Christian. 
and God is speaking to you, you've let the dark days of the world get you and, and you just need prayer today, and we're going to join and pray together. Lord, I thank you. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just, just write with God. God bless you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, for these hands that were raised. And Lord, I want to pray also. I want to pray for Christians, believers, who seem to be struggling this Christmas season. And I want to pray that you would give them just an extra amount of grace and mercy today. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you would like prayer, because you feel like the dark days of doubt or depression or distress or disappointment has been lurking in your backyard, but today you want to get rid of that, the hope of Christmas come into your life, would you lift up your hand and say, Pastor Beth, pray for me there. I need that. God bless you, brother. Anyone else? Anyone just praying? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. I see you to my right. Amen. Lots of us. Lots of us have allowed that. But is there anyone else? Anyone else let the season stress you out? Just lift up your hand so we can pray for you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Father, I pray for these hands that were raised, that we, we just keep our eyes focused on you. And Father, we're here today, and if we've never given our life to you, I would pray that with, with, we would repent from unbelief and say, Lord, I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. That's the only way I can get to heaven. I put my faith and trust in him. And I believe with all of my heart that you died, you were buried, and you resurrected the third day, and now you're sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. I believe with all of my heart that you're coming back for me. But while I wait, I need help. So I'm asking you, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you wherever I'm in. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.